I agree with Jamie's uh, version of my tea-making capabilities, and I can't tell you how good or bad his are, because I don't think he's ever made them. <laughs> One guest, ten songs, ten reasons. Music was my first love. On Radio Glamorgan. After a radio career spanning more than 45 years and counting, my guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love is a highly respected broadcaster within the industry for everything apart from his cheesy jokes. He spent the majority of his radio career at Swansea Sound, apart from a 10-year stint at BBC Wales. He's been a resident club DJ, has a pilot's license, is a scuba diver, and I have it on good authority from Radio Glamorgan's and the Waves, Jamie Pritchard, then he makes a blinking good cup of tea. I'm talking about Steve Jewett, and with much to talk about, we'll hear from Steve after his first choice from The Boss. Steve Jewett, welcome to Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love. Thank you, Andrew. It's nice to be here. Tell me about your first choice, uh, one of the most chosen songs on this series, Born to Run, from Bruce Springsteen. First of all, I resent your introduction, saying that my jokes are cheesy. That's uh, the information I, I was given. <laughs> uh, well, I agree with Jamie's uh, version of my tea-making capabilities, and I can't tell you how good or bad his are, because I don't think he's ever made one for anybody else. Um, but that song, I just love, I just love it. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I like Bruce Springsteen, I like everything he's done. But that song is one of the songs that will always be with me. It was the last song I played on Swansea Sound when I left there years ago and went to BBC to work on Radio Wales for 10 or 12 years. Mm. And it was just the song I ended with. And, and the wife's had special instructions that uh, it's going to be played at my funeral as well. It's just one of those songs that when you hear it, you've got to turn it up really, really loud. The trouble is, it makes you drive a bit faster if you're in the car. <laughs> yes, I've, I've discovered that. <laughs> but it's it's one of those songs you can't help but like it's a very feel-good song if you needed people say you should have a positive thinking song and you can't not have that one yeah it's a great song and every chance i get i play it to be honest with you if i if i could get away with it playing on every radio show that i do i would you you a lifelong music lover um, yes, uh, I started DJing when I was 13. I was the, uh, uh, the, uh, the teeny bopper DJ and the teeny bopper nights in the top rank back uh, in 1969. Yeah. And uh, I used to sort of stand behind the main DJ playing the records while he was at the front. Um, so, yes, uh, you know, I, I go back a long way, put it that way. And which, uh, when you were growing up and listening to music, which broadcasters were you listening to? Well, it was Radio 1 uh, then. Uh, it was Tony Blackburn and Emperor Roscoe and Kid Jensen on Luxembourg. And um, uh, all the all the Luxembourg jocks lay there, same as everybody else did, yeah. who's, who's of that, that era. Um, you go to bed and you've got a little radio under your pillow. and um, or, or you can even get a pillow speaker, if I remember correctly, um, and listen to Radio Luxembourg. And the signal quality was atrocious. The mm. audio quality was atrocious. And sometimes, whether you wanted to or not, you stayed until it closed down in the night because you loved the ending theme on Luxembourg. Yeah. And, and so was there, in those names that you mentioned, was there anybody in particular that, that helped give you the itch to get into broadcasting you thought, I want to do what they're doing? Well, when I was uh, doing the, the, the teeny bopper sessions in the top rank, as I say, I was 13 when I started and often they'd have a Radio 1 road show there. Um, so basically I, I sort of met and worked with... Uh, all of them, <laughs> all the Radio 1 DJs, because at some stage or other they were at the top rank, you know, once a year or maybe twice a year. 
and you know you watch them work and you think oh yeah i want to do that mm. i want to i want to have a living where i can just sort of sit there and play songs that's great isn't it yeah tell thankfully me, i have tell me about your brilliant second choice in the eagles well i just love the eagles and uh, if you listen to their lyrics there are just some amazing lyrics in their songs they're just a clever band they started off as well they joined forces to uh, be linda ronstadt's backing band and thank goodness she didn't need them too much because when they weren't working with her they started doing stuff on their own and uh, well there aren't many songs that you can say that the eagles have done that everybody doesn't like and I like just about all of them and it's a job picking a particular song um, but I thought we'd pick this one because it, this is one of the longest ones it's one of those songs that you play if you need to go to the loo in the middle of a show hmm. back in the days when you were playing records Welcome to the Hotel California Such a lovely place Such a lovely place Such a lovely face So Steve, in 1975 you start your career with Swansea Sound doing commercial voiceovers. How did you get your foot in the door there? Like most people who got into radio back in that day, I was doing hospital radio. Although I didn't do a great deal because soon after I started working there, I ended up um, uh, moving down to Llanelli and that I lived in Swansea and I was in the Singleton Hospital Radio Service, Radio City mm. and I ended up moving down to become the resident DJ at a nightclub in Llanelli and so therefore I didn't spend so much time there but I did get to know a lot of people in the hospital radio and uh, one day I bumped into uh, Doreen Jenkins uh, sadly who's no longer with us and uh, she's the wife of uh, Terry Mann who you probably yeah. will know yes, I'm and um, I bumped into Doreen and she said you know come down and uh, and voice some some commercials so uh, so I did did that quite regularly actually and then of course uh, one day uh, one of the DJs uh, Phil Fothergill came to the townsman the nightclub that I was working in and says have you done a tape and I said no he said come and see us and uh, before you know it I was doing the afternoon show so it's uh, it it all happened quite quickly once I'd actually met and spoken to Phil Fothergill that day so they they he came to speak to you it wasn't something you'd spoken to them about no, um, no, I didn't send an audition tape in or anything. I went down to the studio and did a live one, and uh, it worked out. <laughs> it worked and was, out for me anyway. Was that lunchtime slot uh, regular, or were you just covering initially? Well, no, covering uh, initially. It was um, Colin Mason, who was the programme controller at the time. It was his show, um, but being the programme controller, he couldn't always do it. So, mm. uh, I, you know, you have to do a bit of running around... Um, so although I would be there most days and I'd be doing his fetching and carrying and getting stuff prepared for him and uh, for when he was doing the show, but then on occasions he couldn't make it, so I'd step in, but I'd virtually prepared the show for him anyway. So it was ready um, to go. So, so it was ready to go, yeah. It was called The Afternoon Delight. And when did you, uh, when did you get your first regular slot? Um, it would have been uh, about a, a year, maybe, after I did the first one. Um, I uh, eventually, Colin just became too busy and, and I, it became my show. So it, it was, I was sort of like doing it here and there uh, when he couldn't make it. But eventually um, he just sort of handed it over to me, really, because he never he was just became very busy. Now, I know the music of Linda Ronstadt, as a lot of people will, but until 
I put this program together. I never heard uh, your third choice before, so tell me about Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies, different drummer. Well, it's a strange thing because you're saying that. It was pretty similar for me. I've always loved her since I heard her sing Blue Bayou uh, many, many years ago. And I was talking earlier on about the Eagles, being mm. a fan of the Eagles, and I'm reading up about the Eagles. Uh, they worked in the Troubadour Club in L.A., uh, as her uh, Linda Ronstadt's backing band, they all joined forces, and uh, they all used to go to this club and you know gig and jam and do a bit of everything. And one day I was sitting in my bedroom, and this song was going through my mind, and I I was humming it, but I could not find anybody as old as me that's been around as long as I have to say what was this. And it was just something that bugged me. Every now and again, I'd be humming this tune and it would drive me mad. And then I was thinking, here I am. It's something to do with drums. And I actually started a different drum, distant drum. I started sort of Googling the lyrics and then it came to me, Linda Ronsard, of course it is. And then I downloaded the track and I've loved it ever since. And there's a video of it as well. And uh, it's just... It's just one of those songs from my childhood that you remember being on the radio when you were mm. a child but don't really remember who it was or anything. And it's just a coincidence, really, that it's Linda Ronstadt. After me talking about the Eagles, I just independently love that song as well. I challenge anybody to guess that that was Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> It was it was in her very early days, and it was uh, was it um, Mike Nesmith from the Monkees that wrote it? Oh, it that's all, why it, it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's all about a relationship that he had with a girl, and everything was great for them except for they each wanted to do different things. Mm. And he wrote that you know we danced to the beat of a different drum. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a lovely, fascinating lyric. But uh, it, it also reminded the chorus also reminded me, uh, although it would be the other way around. And um, unfortunately, Michel Schock um, anchors down in Anchorage. All right. Yeah. Very, very yeah. similar. Uh, Steve Jewish, third choice on this edition of music was my first love film, Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies. You had uh, a 10 year break from Swansea Sound. How did the move to BBC Wales come about? I just had a phone call one day uh, saying that uh, we've got a breakfast show uh, coming from Swansea and would you like to do it? And I met the producer. And we had lunch and he showed me around the Swansea studio. Then I went up to Cardiff and did um, uh, and did a, like a, a test show, mm -hmm. an audition probably, because there were five or six of us. Um, I never found out who the others were, um, but I think I was one of six people that auditioned uh, for it. And then I had a, a phone call saying that, you know, you've got it, come and see us, start uh, getting to know the studio, which was completely different to the studio that I was used to. Mm. And we were playing records in Swansea Sound, and in, in the BBC we were playing CDs. Ah, <laughs> moved on. <laughs> it, was, it was 1992, and then I came back to Swansea Sound uh, 10, 12 years yeah. later, and, uh, and it was all digital then. Um, but, um, yeah, so I just went and did, learnt the, the studio. The only trouble is that the show was uh, an hour long, the breakfast show, at uh, six o'clock until seven. So by the time I'd got myself warmed up, it was all it's over. Time to go. That's, mm -hmm. that's a very short time to have to get up early for. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, um, but they made they made it worth my while. You were uh, producing as well, though, yeah, as well as presenting. 
Um, yes, well, I did my own show. I'd finish at seven. Then we used to have a programme called Weekday Wales, which is Good Morning Wales, uh, followed by Roy Noble. And I produced Roy a few days a week. Well, a couple of days a week to start with, and then it became a few days a week. And uh, I'd produce him when he was in Swansea, and then sometimes, of course, if his show was from Cardiff, um, then I'd uh, produce him in, in Cardiff as well, and uh, we became great friends. So it would be a morning then. I'd work six till seven, yeah. then half past eight until 11, and Roy and I then would go down the Cardoma and have breakfast. <laughs> One of my... Uh, we've made nearly 70 of these programmes, um, and he's one of my favourite guests. Oh, he's well, a lovely no man. Yeah. I love him to bits. And uh, Elaine, his wife, uh, we had many um, evenings out and had fun. And uh, he was on the television show um, Pembloid Happis, which yeah. is like, this is your life in Welsh. And I took him up in an aeroplane, because uh, I'm a pilot, mm. and they asked me if I'd, if I'd uh, you know, take him up in an aeroplane and be in contact with hidden cameras in the aeroplane. Mm. And the tower would talk to him, and it was Arvon Haynes Davis in the tower, um, saying, Roy Noble, this is your life, you know, Roy Noble, Pembloid Hapis. And uh, the look on Roy's face was, was magical. And funny thing is, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I found a copy of that, and put it onto a DVD and uh, and sent it to Roy. Lovely. Um, a Ronette track for your next choice, Steve. Well, I used to do uh, one of the early programs I did. I did the uh, the the morning the afternoon show, uh, afternoon delight. But I also then got asked to do um, five until seven on a Sunday, which was a program I called Weekend Gold, and it was all fifties and sixties music and uh, well people would ring in and write in and uh, it was like one of the biggest shows of the week because everybody would say I listen to you I'm in the bath on a Sunday evening and uh, the 60s music I just loved and one of the best voices of the 60s was this lady Veronica from the Ronettes Next choice, Steve, is from, for me, one of the greatest and most underrated female vocalists, Karen Carpenter. You a fan of the Carpenters, or is it this particular song? Um, no, the Carpenters. They had an album out called um, Now and Then years ago, and you know, if you go back to the summer of 76, everybody talks about how what a great summer it was, and, and that album was blasting away in my car in my Ford Capri red 1600 hmm. and it was just the you know you you get the record and you put it onto cassette and you play it in the car and it, it's just one of the greatest um, guitar solos ever and it's been actually been voted as one of the greatest guitar solo ever uh, the Carpenters when they decided to put this guitar solo in a lot of the diehard Carpenters fans were appalled by this because Richard Carpenter said to this guitarist uh, well, come on, there's a bit of a break in the middle. Go for it, you know, see what you can come up with. And they loved what he did come up with. It's been voted as one of the best um, instrumental breaks, guitar solos in music history. And I love it. It's the, the Carpenters, of course, and it's Goodbye to Love. Are you an unpaid carer looking after a loved one? There are thousands across Wales, many feeling unsupported and alone, now more than ever. Carers Wales is here for you, 
with expert advice, useful information, support and much, much more. And it's all free. Find out more at carerswales.org. That's carerswales.org. Carers Wales, here for you and all unpaid carers. Right Well, if ever anybody asked me what concert I would like to have been at, it would have been any of the Elvis gigs in the International Hotel because he made his comeback there and he wore the suits and he just sang great songs with a great orchestra behind Mm -hmm. him with the band and it was just magical. And I was about 13 when I saw That's The Way It Is and it wasn't just his music, it was his personality and the fun and the the jokiness and it was me. (laughs) It was was just like me always playing practical jokes and up for a laugh and uh, and I, I loved not just his music but his attitude as well and well I could have chosen one of 50 songs to play from Elvis was he a one-off um as far as the showman's concerned I think really some would say well maybe Freddie Mercury uh, would uh, would hold a candle to him but not yeah. many other people would no no uh so after uh, 10 years or so Swansea Sound came calling again was it too tempting an offer to keep you at the BBC um, I'd already left the BBC right. then because okay. I was uh, in radio for years and then I went over to television and I was a channel director. I was the voice that introduces the programmes. Yeah. And uh, I was based in Swansea when I was doing radio, but Cardiff a couple of days a week. As a channel director, I had to be in Cardiff by 5.30 in the morning, which meant, and I'd do a 10-hour shift, which meant that um, I'd be getting home at about five o'clock in the evening, go to bed at nine o'clock because I was getting up at half past three, quarter to four no to life. go back, and it just became it just became too much. I'd be on my way uh, on my way home, and if I came to traffic lights, I'd be trying to do my best not to fall asleep. Mm. Um, so, um, so uh, no, I was uh, I was uh, quite happy to come back to Swansea Sound when they asked me. I live a mile and a half from the studio. And, um, well, what better to uh, have a job where you can be there in five minutes instead of an hour, hour and a quarter. Yeah. Um, and so it, it suited me down to the ground to go back, and I was very happy to go back, and I'm still there now. <laughs> and, Although it's not Swansea Sound now, of course, it's Greatest Hits Radio. Next up, uh, Steve, your seventh choice. Uh, it won't surprise you to know is from uh, the most chosen recording artist on this series, The Beatles, but this song appears for the first time. Tell us about the ballad of John and Yoko. Well, see, the, the, the problem is it could have been any one of the Beatles songs yeah. as well, because I love them. But some of my favourite Beatles songs are um, This Boy and Girl and some of the slower ones. And so therefore I thought, well, let's pick something with a bit of go in it. And uh, and this is just a song that came out back again when I was doing my top ranked days in my in my late teens or mid teens. And it was just, whoa, what a great song. And then I was doing a programme years ago in Gibraltar and went to the place where John and Yoko just suddenly turned up and got married. And so whenever I hear it now, it makes me think of uh, the programme I did in Gibraltar many, many years ago. And it's the ballad of John and Yoko, of course. Made a light trip to Vienna Eating chocolate cake in a bag You've said she's gone to his 
Steve, who is Joe Meek? <laughs> Joe Meek is an American producer, and uh, he was very famous. He had uh, his songs that were in the charts himself as well, um, instrumental songs, and he did a bit of everything and worked with uh, many of the big stars of the 60s and 70s, including Tom Jones. And uh, you've recently played him in a radio play about Tom. I have, yes. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting thing, actually. It's, and, it, and it's just been released. Um, it's on um, audio, the, the Amazon, what's it called? Audio something yeah. or other. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, order, uh, no, uh, Audible, that's it. That's right. the word I was trying to think of. Um, and there's a, a radio play called Just Help Yourself. It's been written by a member of Tom Jones's band, uh, talking about uh, how they all st- started out and got together back in the days in the valley, and and it's hearing about um, Tom's rise to fame, basically, and the people that he worked with, and uh, it's not all good. No. There's some interesting things uh, about um, uh, Tom because uh, he became famous and the band were backing him, but he was getting loads of money and the band could hardly afford to eat um, because he was the star. And uh, it's an interesting story. And it's, uh, it's, it, there's a book as well, uh, which I've read, uh, and uh, that's very interesting too. But it's called Just Help Yourself, so it's coming out. Um, it's, a, it's the truth about the rise to fame. And, Interesting. And how did you get involved? Because is, is acting been a passion? Um, no, not necessarily. I've done pantomimes, and but I've never done a serious play or anything. Yeah. I just had a phone call, was asked if I'd like to uh, to play a part in it. And uh, I've done sort of audio things like that in, in the past. And I've narrated um, television programmes and, and various other stuff. So I just had a call saying, would I be interested in doing that? So I said, yeah, send me the script. Uh, and I just recorded my piece and sent it to the producers who have put the whole thing together. Oh, so it wasn't like in a studio with all the other... Guys, you just did your bit at home, as it were. Oh, there's people from all over the world have taken part oh, in this. Wonderful. The, the, the whole thing is about eight hours long. God. It's a very comprehensive, uh, you know, in other words, it's the book. Yeah. But but put to audio virtually. So, yes, there's, uh, there's many uh, characters in there. Uh, and Joe Meek was, was a character as well. Um, this program's theme tune for your next choice, Steve. Tell us uh, why you've chosen music from John Miles. Well... Because it's nothing to do with the fact that it's the programme's theme hmm. tune. It is just a fantastic tune. I like big productions, yeah. as you probably uh, can tell. Yeah. And, and, and you will tell when you hear uh, some of the songs that I've picked uh, uh, later as well. I love big productions. And John Miles, he just turned up from nowhere. Uh, he, he brought this song out. All he, was, all he wanted to do was to buy himself a Rolls Royce which, uh, thanks to this song, he was able to. And years ago, I was working in the Townsman nightclub in Swansea, the band, the resident band, called Live Connection. Um, they loved John Miles, and they used to play his songs, you know, in the nightclub as well. And we went to see him in the Brangwyn Hall in Swansea years ago, and uh, who was backing him? Somebody we'd never even heard of, uh, and, and a guy who dressed up as a clown, and that, that was Leo Sayer. And, uh, yeah, and John Miles was there, and he was absolutely brilliant, and we loved him, and there's another song, Remember Yesterday. Oh, yeah. he just did some good stuff. But this one, I like big productions, and they don't get much bigger than music. My music pulls me through. 
what a tune. <laughs> love it. I just love it. And everything that he did, I, I just don't understand why he didn't go on for longer because he kept on producing great songs. Mm. Uh, whether he just thought, oh, well, I've done what I wanted to do and just calm down a little bit, I don't know. But uh, he could have uh, gone on for much longer than he did. You've mentioned uh, a couple of times about uh, DJing at Cardiff's top rank. Um, at Swansea. Swansea, I beg your pardon, Swansea's top rank. As a 13-year-old, it must have been incredibly exciting. At what stage did you start um, taking over, as it were? Um, well, I did from when I was 13 to when I was about 16. And it was the Saturday morning uh, teeny bopper sessions. Right. Uh, people used to drop the children off in the top rank. And then above the top rank, because it was underground, was Tesco. And on top of Tesco was the Odeon uh, uh, Cinema. Um, so they dropped the kids off downstairs and then they'd do the shopping in Tesco and pick them up afterwards. It, it worked out quite well for, for, for parents. And I did that from till, till I was about 16. It was about then that I... You know, saved enough money to have my mobile equipment, and then I started doing mobile discos. And mm. uh, so I left there then. And then I was about 20, and I was in the Townsman. And one of the managers from the top rank came over and says, Will you come and take over here? Um, because the guy that was doing it then uh, had moved on somewhere else. So I went in there back as the resident DJ then, and I was there for about seven and a half years. And enjoy it? Oh, gosh, loved it to bits. Yeah. Um, when you think about it, you know, there's like 2,000 people in there. And uh, it was just the place to be. There's nothing like that now. Um, no. Um, there's nothing for people that are over 25 uh, to go and uh, have a, a band, live music and a DJ and the revolving stage. And there were some great bands that appeared there in that uh, in that era as well so uh, i was lucky i was very lucky to have uh, had that job i loved it there you've chosen uh, some real classic songs and recording artists and your penultimate choice steve puts uh, the two together don't you think with simon and garfunkel and bridge over troubled water Yes, well, here's another song where you've got a lyric. Uh, I, I quite listen to the lyrics quite a lot, uh, as you will know from my last song, because there's mm. a, quite a funny lyric in that. And when we went back to um, the Eagles, you could check out any time you like, but you can never leave. I just love mm. clever song uh, lyrics. And this one is, you know, if you need a friend, I'll be there, um, like a bridge over troubled water. You know, it's just... It's just, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Mm. Anybody who's feeling down uh, should listen to a song like this and, and just think, yeah, you know, there is somebody there who's going to look after me and uh, help me out. Of course, the song is Bridge Over Troubled Water. When a great songwriter like Paul Simon gives a song like that to a great vocalist like Art Garfunkel, it must be a gift to him. Well, the producer actually um, said, well, you sing it as well, Paul, and let's have listen to both versions. And they both did their version of the lead vocal. Yeah. And the uh, result was that Paul thought that Art sang it better and Art thought that <laughs> Paul sang it better. Um, so they had to actually give the casting vote to uh, the producer. Yeah. And you can't imagine anybody else singing it. Can no. you? It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's just amazing. But 
But, uh, yes, it could have been Paul singing the lead on it. And uh, with all the respect to Paul, I love his music, I love his voice, and come on, take me to the Mardi Gras, and all the yeah. solo stuff he did. I love it, but I can't imagine anybody doing a better no, job than art not at all. the vocal for that. Your final choice, Steve, on this edition of Music Was My First Love is from REO Speedwagon. I love them. I love, uh, I love the... The, the, the way that they got together. They were all um, students in a technical college and they were doing uh, a paper on uh, and learning about how the company Oldsmobile started by, oh, um, Walter, I don't know, Royston Edgar Olds, I think his name was, something like mm. that. Anyway, um, he started a company called Oldsmobile in America uh, back in the day and uh, they had a new vehicle out which was called the Speedwagon so they named their band REO Speedwagon after this particular <laughs> truck and uh, well, they just wrote some great lyrics and the one that we're going to finish off with as I've said to you, I like big productions and I like really cool lyrics and uh, who'd have thought that somebody would write a song opening up with the words heard it from a friend who Heard it from a friend who <laughs> heard it from someone you'd been messing around. Oh, Steve, away from radio, you have an aviator's license. Uh, is it the freedom that thrills you? Oh, I, I did a program years ago with uh, helicopter pilots, and uh, they were landing on the light ships in the in the in the bay in the eighties. Uh, oh, 70s actually because mm. i got my pilot's license in 79 and i just got friendly with the guys and uh, they'd come to the top rank and they'd come and land in the car park at swansea sound and pick me up if there was a spare seat in the helicopter when they were going somewhere i'd have a i'd have a lift with mm. them and eventually i just got hooked on flying and started to learn to fly myself and then i went and did some programs with the raf and flew with hawks the the, the airplanes that they use for the red arrows and chinook helicopters and Oh, gosh, I've been lucky. I've really been lucky, and, um, and, and I've loved it all along. I haven't flown for quite a while now, but um, I just loved it when I was doing it. And then from the air to the sea and scuba diving. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've done that for about 20-odd years, but I've had a 15-year gap in between. Um, started off, did a, did a few years of it, and then it sort of waned. I went and did the uh, Barrier Reef, and after diving in the Barrier Reef, I thought, what's the point of diving in the UK when it's yeah. so cold and yeah. you can't see where you're going and everything? And then about six or seven years ago, my wife took an interest in it. And so I did it again. So we've uh, we've done about 50-odd dives since then. And we go to Lanzarote quite a bit now because uh, we like diving there. And when we go on holidays, we have a look to see if there's a dive club there and maybe do one or two dives in what area we're in. And uh, we love it. Life underground. All politicians should scuba dive because then there would be no pollution. If they'd see what was down there <laughs> yeah. and what they were ruining, there would be no pollution. One final thing I wanted to ask you about while I've got you here. It's 47 years uh, since you stepped into broadcasting and no doubt you've seen a lot of changes, some good, some bad. Is uh, local commercial radio in a good state at the moment, do you think? Is its future in safe hands? I think it depends on who you're talking to, um, really. And it's, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, um, but I'm an old git, uh, I <laughs> go back to the days when you walked into the studio with an armful of records and played what you like. 
yeah. I miss that. I yeah. miss that very much because now it's all on the computer and it's all formatted and, and somebody works out that you play a fast song followed by a slow song and then an, a, a current song followed by an oldie and there's a format and a system to it. And, uh, you know, they are, it's fair enough. It's, it's, it means that you're not, there's, there's not so much of the, the repetition. Um, we would play a, a record and then we'd put that record at the back of the box of about 50 records. Yeah. And then, of course, then that record would come around again when the other 49 were played. Um, so I like the, the, the spontaneity of walking into a studio and just playing what you like. And, oh, whose birthday is it today? Roy mm. Orbison. Oh, I've got a Roy Orbison song here. Um, uh, just to be able to, you know, just play what you want. But obviously... Um, these days there's so many radio stations and there's so many people fighting for the audience mm. uh, it's not so easy to just do that now and as you guys and I have a very long and successful career is there perhaps one thing that you're most proud of professionally? Oh, that's a question and a half um, uh, <laughs> I, I would say mm, doing the pantomimes I quite enjoyed doing the pantos uh, I I did some uh, great programs back to with the RAF doing programs live um, broadcasting as I'm flying in a in a Hawk jet. Um, you know, started off from RAF Broadie, and five minutes later I'm flying over Swansea, and then we do a link, and we've got a 20 minute break, so I'd fly up to Mount Snowdon and. Uh, come back in that 20 minutes or down for Plymouth and back. Uh, I loved all that. And uh, the, some of the programs that I did, you know, broadcasting live from the airplane, uh, I had a lot of people talking, put it that way. Steve, it's been a real pleasure chatting. Thank you. It's been lovely talking to you, Andrew. Thank you for asking. You've been listening to Music Was My First Love, where radio broadcaster Steve Jewett has been choosing 10 of his favourite songs. I'm Andrew Wolfe, and join me again soon when someone else chooses 10 of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. <laughs>